Now you've been waffling on. I have. Um, like about Brian Wilson, mm. um, which is interesting because we also in this podcast we want to talk regularly because it's really important about reading and about books and about writing and and how it, and why it matters. And one of the books I brought with me today is called I Am Brian Wilson. It's not by me. I Am Brian Wilson is the um, title of the book. Is the title of the book, right. and it's by Brian Wilson, uh, ghostwritten with with a guy called Ben Greenman. So it's who, an autobiography. Yes, but it's what autobiography. is what is the term? Because biography is with someone else. Autobiography is, in your own words, ghostwritten or with the assistance of. No, because of? All, he just hasn't written it down. Um, so, so he's he's just it. spoken to Ben, and Ben went and sat and did the the hard graft. Fine. With a computer. Good somewhere. on you, Ben. But it is so an autobiography. It's an autobiography, and it's very. It's, I mean, we, you, you, you know and love Brian Wilson. I do. You, he's a phenomenal guy. But Can I say such... I saw him live <gasps> in London at a big outdoor venue, some fancy Gosh. house, Brentwood House, or some sort of house. Yes. And it was he'd started. He'd done. He toured Pet Sounds, which was the first time he toured yes, in yes, whenever. Yes. No it's one knew he would be able yeah. to. And then I think this was the second year that he was touring. So it was him with a band. He hadn't got together with the Beach Boys again yet, which is, okay. is happening now. But at that point, he had started um, performing again with a, a band that, yes. that he'd been assembled to, to do this uh, Pet Sounds thing. In the book. And I went and saw them. Um, I saw him sort of peeking out of the curtains before the, the gig started and looking very uh, nonplussed and lost, as yeah. he does these days after all the damage that he's done to himself. And I saw him live, and it was unbelievable. The encore was um, Good Vibrations, and I stood up on my little deck chair that they had on the lawn there, and I wept copiously because I was like, I... It's another theme. We, we, yeah. we weep a lot. Well, I, I was... It's another it's reaction yes. to life, I have to say. Um, <laughs> I, wow. <laughs> uh, well, uh, um, yeah, I stood up and I was crying because I'm like, I'm actually watching Brian, Brian Wilson, Wilson perform Good Vibrations live, live in front of me. And it was, um, it was a moment. Amazing. But that now you've got this fantastic. book, which I have to say, which I've you're not going read. to steal. I'm going to steal after it. I'll steal it. But I'll, yeah, well, I'll probably steal it. But um, as you say, there's a lot of damage. Uh, again, people tend to think who, who aren't necessarily huge fans of Brian Wilson. They know who he is. I think He's you said a famous huge, bloke. Huge. huge. Well, that's Huge okay. Fans. Huge fans. Fine. Um, it's it's a it's a yes. It's a something where people who listen to have you read it? Roger Daltrey's. Band. Oh, right. um, I have, um, and it's, it's wonderful. Not a huge book, but it's it's, it's medium size. What's interesting? He's he's such a massive influence on so many people. Yeah. You mentioned that. Uh, uh, the Beatles McCartney and yeah, yeah. was a huge. It, you know, he thinks has said that uh, Pet Sounds influenced Sergeant Pepper. Yes, yeah. and and God only knows was his favorite song yeah. ever. Um, it, the book is filled with that kind of realization for Brian, where he goes, "I I would never have said hmm. that somebody was even sort of aware of me," um, and here they are saying that I've I've changed their life, and and that's phenomenal. But it's it's this kind of naivety that you mentioned um, with "Wouldn't It Be Nice." That's throughout, and this kind of childlike mm. perspective that he has throughout, and it's beautifully handled because it's just it is what it is. They don't he doesn't make any um, apologies for it. Ben Ben Greenman is not a voice in here. He's okay. just he's just somebody who wrote it, um, and it's so that gives you this very different picture uh, of of what you might expect from a, a kind of genius mm. who has had the effect he's had um it addresses a lot of the stuff so dr landy the the guy who he brought in to sort of help yes. him deal with the mental issues who was then just a terrible 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 person figure. yes yeah um it addresses that it addresses relationships um it doesn't shy away from how difficult being in the beach boys is mm. or the fact which i didn't really understand the extent of that for many many years the Beach Boys was very much more of a brand than a band. Yeah. Um, and Brian wouldn't play live with them. Well, I think I think it was '64. I think he says in here. Um, yeah. From then on, for many when many I'm years, he didn't. '64. He didn't play. No, no. Live. No, no. With them, um, he would stay home, write all the music for the next album. But he would tell them exactly what to do. Yeah. It's a it's a very odd. I mean, you you you, you know you you mentioned you've played in bands. I've played in bands. Um, so much of playing in bands, so much of the, the great pleasure of playing in bands is the sharing of experiences, Absolutely. is the being with people, is the, play, is the, is the sort of uh, energy exchange yes. that happens on stage. He wasn't doing this. He's sitting at home and going, I've listened to all of this other music, Full Spectre, such yeah, a, yeah, a huge yeah. towering 
influence on him. The wall of sound. And I figured it out. And now I want to make my own version. Yeah. Um, and so he would write stuff and he would figure out what would Mike's voice do, what would Carl's voice do, what would the drums do. Um, and he would kind of order, order it to be done. Maybe you can tell me because at that stage... Um, I think what would happen is at some point because the beach was also played, so um, mm, you yeah. know Dennis was on drums and Carl was on guitar, guitar and all these things. Brian was playing bass uh, a yeah, lot. Mike yeah. was singing, but what would happen is he, when he decided he's not going to go on tour with them anymore, he'd send them on tour and then he would assemble the Wrecking Crew, which is yes. studio yeah. guys, you know, Carol K on guitar and um, uh, what's his name, the Hell, drummer Hal Blaine on drums, who passed away recently. Oh, recently, last year or the year before. Um, and so he'd have these session guys that would come and record the album. Then the Beach Boys would come back from tour and they would and sing all the their parts. parts yeah. and, and then they'd go on tour again. But when they toured again, would they still play their things or would they tour with a with a session band, I wonder? It was, I think a lot of it was uh, them played, if, if I can remember yeah, just from the book. It was how to play yeah, they, were, they were playing a lot of the stuff, but they were also supplemented. Okay, so, they'd so have, you might have, have guys an, extra, them tour, an yeah. extra bloke who was doing this or that or the next thing. Um but just uh, amazing. There's a picture of Brian looking at the book now with the giraffe. Not a real giraffe. It looks almost like a Playmobil pet giraffe. Sounds, but massive. It sounds 50. So yeah, twice, that was... Twice the size of, <laughs> of Brian, at least. Um, but uh, so sad. I mean, mm. he's quite gentle on his dad. I think a lot of the other coverage um, yeah, his dad of that whole was thing... A flawed makes, individual. Yes. But, but also an inspiring individual. Yeah. A songwriter and somebody who really appreciated and... and um, Taught them all those harmonies, how to harmonize. The value of music stuff. and the power of music as well. Um, and his wife, uh, Melinda, just an incredible... Yeah, saved his life, figure, Pretty much. Saved his life and uh, has, has yeah, for, for all the rest of us, sure. um, if she wasn't there, uh, we wouldn't have all that Brian has given since. Uh, but just disturbing... Yes, because not normal. No, um, just a very uh, disturbed. Uh, and again, it, it's it's medical conditions mm. that mean he can't do a lot of, of what he wanted to do. It's medication that affected moods. It's it's all sorts of things. It's yeah. it's being afraid. It's being. You'll hear worried. the sound of of young Melrose in the background. Yes, impending youth. Okay, um, that's happening. But um, just uh, for any music fan. I think any music fan. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, um, it's it's an incredible book, um, and a bit uh, eye opening. It's called yeah. "I Am Brian Wilson," um, with Ben with Ben Greenman. Yeah, I Green think Man? if you're Greenman, Greenman, if you're a, like a Slipknot fan, it might it might not be. But I think you should. But you should still you should read extend. It. Subtitle: The Genius Behind the Beach Boys, which I think is fair to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, published by Coronet. Um, never yeah. never heard of Cor- Coronet. Cor- him. Her. That's an ice cream, isn't it? Um, your name here, sponsor. So yeah. that's. That's a lovely thing. What have Fantastic. you read recently? I, uh, it's interesting. I'm a voracious reader, and I cannot remember a day in my life uh, since I started reading that I haven't read. As my bookshelves will attest, I also <laughs> love the object book. Um, so I don't read on Kindle or iPad. I yes. actually Stefan is a man who covers his personal books. If they're hardcovers, I'll cover them in plastic. In plastic. I have um, I have seen him in a shop buying plastic for the sole purpose I'm, of covering yeah, his, his books. I'm old school in that sense. Um, so interspersed with uh, the latest Ian McEwan, which is to do with AI, mm-hmm. uh, which I read over the holidays, I have started um, at long last plowing my way through the Game of Thrones Good gracious. book series. And I'm halfway through the second book Does now. Does it have pictures? It doesn't. Oh, uh, they're very the thick. Um I was recommended them because I, I mean, I'm not a massive um, fantasy reader. I love mm-hmm. Terry Pratchett, who's I describe as my guilty pleasure. Um, He's a commentator as much yeah, as a. a fantasy I think there's writer. an argument for him. The satirist. Yeah, outside of the fantasy genre, I don't. You know, I've enjoyed the odd um, sort of sci-fi fantasy thing and I, I did watch the full Game of Thrones TV series which is strange to me because usually I'll read the book before watching any adaptation of okay. it but then I thought to myself let me let me actually read these books um, the first one uh, it's narrative narrative it's it's fantastic you know uh, the prose isn't particularly great and I found some very problematic sentences every now and then Uh, speaking as a an English major yes but um, the narrative is great and yeah 
the characters are, are, are good and I'm enjoying that. So I'm just going to plow through the whole series uh, to say that I've done it more than anything else and I'm enjoying it. How many it. are there in the series? Uh, thus far, I think there are about seven or eight and I think, I don't think he's, he's finished yet. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll read like... that for the same reason that I read Harry Potter, although I think Harry Potter is... Um, also, the prose isn't incredible, but it's, mm. it's better, than I think, than the Game of Thrones. But the thing with Harry Potter was the pacing. Mm. There, there. I mean, I can just see why they were such a huge success. Other than the plugging into the the zeitgeist of wizards and vampires mm-hmm. and Twilight and all the rest of it, um, the pacing was great. Like literally, you'd get to the end of a chapter and you'd be like, "I have to What's read happening? the next chapter." Um, so yeah, I'm reading those. Um, maybe I can mention mm. as we're talking about books, my favorite book of all time because that is an easy that one thing. for me. Love in the time of cholera, <gasps> by. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Marquez, however you want to pronounce it. Gabriel Garcia Marquez is how I would say it in Good my grief. limited English. How uh, oh, intellectual. Um, is post-colonial uh, magic uh, surrealism and all that sort of stuff, but it is uh, one of the more linear of his narratives in mm-hmm. a book form. It's very romantic. So if you're a... I put the hopeless in hopeless romantic. Thus <laughs> me only getting married at the age of 44. It's better than putting the hoe. Yeah, exactly. In hopeless My anyway. wife will have words with you, my friend. Um, <laughs> but Love in Time of Cholera, I, I love it. I mean, I've got a favorite of Salman Rushdie. Rushdie's also post-colonial mm-hmm. and maybe and I enjoy that sort of stuff. Um, let's not get into my, my literary stuff because I'm... I wonder what my favorite book But that's my favorite time book of all time. Love in the Time of Cholera, I highly recommend it. It's Mine beautiful. might be A Prayer for Own Meanie oh. by John Irving. Yes, okay. Because of, of one scene where it just he kind of just realizes and I don't want to give it away, but he he has an epiphany oh no I see now you've ruined it for me why why well, have I see now I know about the epiphany but you don't know what it is no you're right carry on you know it's not a guitar epiphany is fine guitars that's not what we're talking about fine. as far as I know he didn't have one and then I just oh, saw saying epiphone is that was that a, <laughs> I know yes so epiphone at the moment just to mention in NAM 2020 have released a new headstock shape which was everyone's complaint about Epiphone is they want the Gibson they can't afford the Gibson so they get get an Epiphone Epiphone. but the Epiphone's got the little different headstock and you could tell it very quickly at a glance oh this is an Epiphone and there was sort of a even though Epiphone uh, made great guitars and certainly uh, in the last five years or so all the budget series of the big companies have gotten much better back Mm -hmm. in the day if you bought an Epiphone you were kind of taking a chance the same if you're buying a Squire with Fender you weren't quite sure Nowadays, because the guitar is so popular, these companies have, have made a lot of money, notwithstanding Gibson's fiasco of recent yes. months uh, and years with it um, going bankrupt and, and being taken over and being bought by someone else. But you'd buy an Epiphone and it actually would be a decent guitar. Mm-hmm. So Jared James Nichols, who's one of the sort of rising stars in guitar, has a, a signature series with Epiphone that was a great guitar and I believe he's now going to get his own Gibson, I'm pretty sure. But Epiphone have now released a new guitar with a new headstock, which I okay. haven't looked at in any great detail, but I'm imagining that it is closer to the Gibson, the Gibson headstock, which uh, for many people was a sort of semi-sumbling block. It's so funny Sum- that... Sumbling be- block? Sumbling block. Yeah. But it's so, it, is, it is so weird where, where you have the, that kind of thing that uh, a brand will make you sound better or be more popular or feel better. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Um, yeah, because in, in, in most cases it is psychosomatic mm. because you you are hearing, you, you're feeling better about it because of the brand association, mm. which is something that's been built into us from Starbucks to, you know, yeah. all the, ma- you know, branding is the big... Coffee sponsorship, yeah. your name your here. Name, yeah. you know, in terms of the capitalist project and branding, but, you know, I'm a fool for Fender guitars. I'm a freak mm. for Fender mm. guitars. Um and I, I will pay more for a guitar. That's not worth that much more. Yes. You know, you know, just because you, what I guess we call a legacy. You're buying yes. into a legacy. Yeah, you're buying yeah, into yeah. History. history. So you get this warm feeling when you mm-hmm. think of Leo Fender in 1950 the, introducing the sure. first production electric. I'm guitar. fascinated with this with this 12 string because I'm more excited about the fact that it's it's a 45 year old guitar. Yeah. Than I am that it's. And Ibn is, which happens to be a copy of a Gibson, or whatever yeah. it is. And this is interesting because it's the law, they call it yes. the lawsuit guitar because, because Gibson served a bigger brand. them, uh, Ibanez, and said, listen, you can't make these anymore because not only are they copying our guitars exactly, but they're making a dent in our sales because you're making a better guitar than we are. At a, at a vastly at, lower yeah. price. So that was the big yeah. deal. So these guitars, and you see a few of them in South Africa. In fact, last year I saw a number of them on, on the Facebook sort of secondhand groups 
where you can get them really Which is affordably. where I bought mine. Yeah. You can <laughs> get them really affordably and they're great guitars. Yeah. I love, the, I mean, just also that the, the fact there was, we go back to storytelling. I, I, as I say, I bought this off a, a gear group on Facebook. Um, and, and Shout out to Gregory Wall of South African Music Instruments or whatever the, the, the group is called on Facebook yeah. where a roaring trade in secondhand uh, gear is done and... And interestingly, it's a, it's a trade in the in the in the financial sense as well. You can yeah. buy a guitar, never play it, sell it again, or, or a keyboard or whatever. Um, and strangely, because it's on social media, there's far less of the kind of scamming that you get on things like Gumtree and Olex and the. That's what was so fascinating. Yeah, this was this was in uh, Peter Maritzburg. Right. I've, I've never I've never met the. You've chap. never been to I'd... Peter Maritzburg. You've never met Peter or Exotic. in fact Maritzburg yes. at all. Exotic location. Um, I had uh, never met the guy who was selling it. Um, I was going off pictures yeah, if of it the guitar. was really a guy and not Who knows, a goat you know? in a basement somewhere that saying, could Mom, me um, And then he, he had a mate coming up to do some business in, in Joburg after, after we agreed a price and all the rest of it. And uh, so essentially it's meet a stranger yeah. in a deserted parking lot mm-hmm. with a large amount of cash. Don't invite in your, them to your house. In your hand. Yeah. Um, because what could possibly go wrong? Sure. Um, and I did, and here it is. But it's uh, I love that's part of the reason I love the guitar yeah. because it, it there's it, a story. It, there's there's trust involved yeah. with strangers and a shared love of music and, and guitars and and it's strange. the potential of it in Johannesburg where we're so uh, acutely aware of crime and people who possibly I'm hoping are listening to this podcast possibly uh, you know from an international audience. Mm would have heard things like Johannesburg is the murder capital of the world mm. and you know we live in fear all our lives and uh, to a great degree it's a strange thing um, humans that unless it affects you directly you mm. you live in this weird yeah um, ambivalence uh, near towards the world however in Johannesburg if you drive around generally we as we get into our cars we make sure the doors are locked yeah. we don't have our windows down common too sense much. is also a good thing yeah if you're looking anywhere if you're driving in Johannesburg you tend to be aware of your surroundings because mm-hmm. you know that there is crime around so to, to live in that environment and know now that you if someone is going to sell you something mm. you, you first of all you think I'm not sure I want them to come to my house because I don't know who they this are. This wasn't so much that. It was It was that the guy had to... He was meeting you was, somewhere because he was, it was on, on his a, way yeah. and it was on so, my way, yeah. But, but um, anyway, but that this thing, thing can happen. Yes. You can meet someone in a location, you've got a bunch of cash with you yeah. and you're hoping they're going to have this instrument with them. Absolutely. I sold a bass guitar and an electric guitar to yeah. to afford this, which uh, both of the guys were from Pretoria, which is a, a city yeah. some, some kilometers north of here, and I met them at a, at a train station. Yeah. Um, on, I think... Was it the same day? It may have been the same day. May have been different days. But just so again, you're <laughs> very dodgy. You know, um, you arrive at a at a train station, pull up to the drop off section. Some stranger runs out at you. You open the you open yeah. your, your boot. You take out a guitar. You take some money. You drive away. But I, I think mean, an international person listening to this would be like, well, what's the problem? I, I would do this without even thinking. I'd walk. You know, at twelve o'clock all of at that, night. But there's it. still the stranger thing. South Africa. Because yeah. we, again, we have mentioned relationships a few times on this, and now I I think that the on those kind of groups. Um, and uh, again, different kinds of groups. My wife is on a, 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 collection, a collector's a group for for Jasperware. Um, yeah, See so now you've said a sentence. And, oh, okay, and, yes. yeah, etc. Etc. I thought there was possibly like an, a famous guy back in the day's name was Jasper. Jasper. He wore clothes. He wore if stuff, you could find, you could buy them. A sock. Now there's those single those sock. rare few yes. who've managed to find two argyle socks that were actually <laughs> that worn to by Jasper. Jasper. Not the same color. I mean, they weren't of a pair, but one is left and one, one is, is right. right. This is, this is much much more expensive. This is good enough. Okay, I have people arriving home, so we're going to stop this quickly. And we're back, back in the room. We're back in the room. We had to take a short commercial break there. That's yes, the break because of sponsors. With all name. of the yeah. sponsors: whiskeys, coffees, guitars. Yes. Okay, and fine. Uh, bookshops. Books. Fine. Uh, gear. We want gear. Ah, Speaking pedals, of gear, pedals. Yes. What a segue. Mm. What segueness there was. But you've got a telly, which is probably well. It is my favorite electric electric guitar. It is the only electric guitar in Verily which I own. And but this is a but this is a very special one. Why is it special? Tell us gear stuff. Um, I am certainly in the South African con- context quite fortunate to own a custom shop guitar from Fender. So Fender, way back when, um, opened up this custom shop division, which was kind of boutique, a more boutique take on some of their guitars. They started off with some tribute models, 
So they would go, for instance, to um, go and get Stevie Ray Vaughan's original number one guitar, okay. and they take it apart and take pictures, and then they create these tributes. And they had master builders who would get involved in that. And uh, the custom shop has become a huge thing now, and they do guitars all the time. And I actually own a. Let me think. What is this? I think in 2009 I bought this guitar. In December 2009, it was part of a special run that Fender did for Europe. Um, it's from the custom shop. It's a limited edition uh, 62 Relic. It's a beautiful thing. Telecaster, yeah. What is this color? It's mint. It is from the Dupont um, period specific Dupont color catalog, which Dupont used to do all the the muscle cars in the states. Oh yeah, this is a Sonic Blue. Sonic Blue. Sonic Blue. They've got a Daphne Blue. There's also um, Daphne Blue. Some other kind of blue, but this is the Sonic Blue. It's a very pastel kind of blue. Naming of colors is a very odd thing. Yeah, as you will know if you've ever Surf painted anything. And yeah, and yeah. So elephant this, gray. Uh, yeah. It's a relic guitar, so it looks all beat up and trashed and all It's an interesting thing, though, that, that asking people to pay extra for something yeah. that looks worn. And there's a lot of... What um, is that about? There's a lot of a kind of blowback on that because people were saying, well, it's very dishonest to now pretend that you've played this guitar for 50 years and, you know, it's mm. like buying designer jeans that are all ripped up yes. already and then paying a premium Which for. they're probably wearing while they're... Slagging exactly. you off for, for playing your guitar. Yeah, exactly. But um, there were I, I'd made a wish list of uh, things that I wanted in a Fender guitar. I've always been a Stratocaster guy, and I had this dream Strat that I wanted, and I saved up enough money for it. And then, oh, no, no. Um, before that, I got back from, from London, and I had a Paul Reed Smith guitar that I had um, acquired at some time mm-hmm. before that, but I'd never really connected with a guitar emotionally and when I saw this I wanted a Stratocaster but the Stratocaster one of the guys in the store just took it straight away when the mm. shipment arrived oh. so I, I kind of yeah so I started playing this a few times when I went to the store and I started falling in love with it and um, eventually traded my Paul Reed Smith guitar in okay. for this guitar Bruce is now letting the dog back into the house there you go little rosy dog um so I traded in the Paul Reed Smith. It was a pre-lawsuit single cut. Those of you who know anything about PRS will know what that is. And I paid in a little bit extra, actually, uh, for this guitar. It's limited edition. I think they made between 20 and 25 of each color. And I think there were four or five colors in the run that mm. they did. So very limited. Yeah. Why? No, again, we, we talked about history and stories and stuff earlier. What? Why does it make it more important to you specifically? Why? So the things that I love about it, um, it's a 62 relic. So it's based on period specific, um, a guitar from 1962, Mm. which is considered a vintage guitar. So the idea with these guitars is that people love the look and the feel of a vintage instrument. It's almost like a cricket bat or baseball bat Mm. that you, or a baseball glove that you- antiques or something, you know, something something beautiful, craftsmanship. The patina in in an antique. Nobody says patina Uh, enough anymore. So what they love, so uh, the thing is that if you wanted to go and buy a real 1962, Rosie, that's the dog, (laughs) a real 1962 um, guitar, just trying to call the dog away from whining at the front door, come here. Um, it would be very, very many, many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not approaching millions in South African rands. Um, So, hey, Rosie, come here. Um, So they thought, well, why don't we do our best to replicate the look and feel Mm. of that guitar uh, for far more affordable? Right, a quick break there again as we sorted out the puppy, the joys of podcasting. Um, so Fender created these guitars that look and feel like a vintage instrument for um, far less money. Even though here in South Africa, it's still a super significant mm-hmm. investment to buy one of these guitars. But at the time, I had this other guitar and I was able to trade it in and I had some extra cash uh, that I brought back from London with me, so I was able to get it. What I love, the, yeah, yeah. Sorry, tell me about the investment thing, because again, uh, we were saying about okay. trading and whatever earlier. So, but it's so I've looked really, online. Yeah. Secondhand, these guitars are going for about double what I paid for it as oh. a new guitar now. That's ten years later. Fantastic. So, um, so I mean, it's it's not something you're just making an excuse to your wife or your husband or whoever. 
and and going mm, you don't know i mean it's with anything uh, the market is what people will pay for nobody it nobody so, knows though yeah you you can buy shares and whatever exactly. and it could fall on its back so in 10 years time these guitars may not be collectible and it won't be a particularly have been a particularly good you're not going to sell it anyway no. though are you no no it'll be buried with me in my cold dead hands nice um but presumably the, blue hands as well yeah, to match the exactly the, the sonic nice. blue um going what color with, is stefan it's yes, a sonic, sonic blue. blue. Yeah. But uh, the craftsmanship that goes into the, I mean, uh, the paint is checked. In other words, it's got these tiny hairline cracks in, yep. the, in the body of the paint. That Which happens. they will tell you they're meant to do. Well, yeah, they did. <laughs> so the vintage instruments were covered in what's called um, nitrocellulose. And a, a, a characteristic of nitrocellulose as, as a clear covering over paint is that if it's exposed to extreme temperature differences, mm. so you, you, you're out in the cold and you come home and then you oh, you get into the gig and it's in a warm yeah, yeah, yeah. and you open your guitar and you start playing, the paint just cracks along the top of it. And the vintage guitars have got this checking in it. Fantastic. So the Fender actually recreate that and it, it's incredible. It's a desperately beautiful thing. It really is it lovely. Is. Yeah. So what I love about it is it's got... Um, it's the period specific paint. It does have um, the modern appointments in terms of the um, radius of the neck, which is a 10 inch radius. It's quite um, rare. Usually they're 7.25 inch radius. That's technical. Yeah, yeah. Guitarists will know about that, but it's easier to play. And it's got uh, Dunlop 6105 frets, which are taller and narrower frets, which are really, really good for bending. It has a four ply pick guard, mint green, but it's actually tortoiseshell mint green, tortoiseshell mint green. Now, I've never seen that before. That's or the first time I've noticed that it was multi Black and mint green. Uh, usually three ply is the thickest you'll get. I don't know why this is a four ply pick guard, but it is. And one of the layers under the mint green. That's an interesting story as well. Mint green. So before they would have a black layer mm. and then a white layer okay. of this Bakelite plastic yes. back in the day. And what happened is the black from the Bakelite over time would seep into the white top layer and turn it this weird mint green color, okay. which became really attractive. It showed you it was an yeah, old yeah, yeah. guitar. So now they actually now they make, make it out of first. plastic and they make it mint green in color to replicate. I've never noticed the, the multi-layer thing before. That's yeah. fantastic. It's crazy cool. It's got this uh, straight grain end-to-end -end quarter sawn um, neck which is beautiful um, the neck joint is fitted like and like of course you're looking, you're looking for serial numbers and all sorts yeah. of stuff to make to prove that it's the, it's the real right. deal and also the pickups are hand wound by Abigail Ibarra who's worked at Fender since the 50s she oh, signs man. and That's dates so cool. the pickups she no longer uh, works there she retired when did I go? I went to go visit the Fender factory. I went to Las Vegas for a friend's birthday, and I got there on the Monday, and she had retired on the Friday. Oh, so I just missed meeting her. So very wrong. But she's got a lady that she trained, Josefina, um, who is now hand-wiring them. Uh, hand-wiring a pickup, so a pickup has got these coils of copper wire for the magnetic field that, that produces or picks up on the, the sound and electronically converts it. So you're hearing it. So you get machines. Mass-produced pickups are usually wound by machine. They're very, very clinical and perfect windings, and you get a very um, perfect clinical sound out of them. And this is now, again, the minutiae that probably doesn't mm. make too much difference, but I'm obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> when you when you hand-wire them, they call it a scatter wind, and it's not perfect. Ah. And it has just a different Some different warmth and resonance. And warmth and, to it, whatever. I know John Mayer and whatever, he's, his signature ones are now done that, but, uh, but originally he, he rewound, hand-wound okay. his own. He, Amazing. he took apart his, his Strat. Yeah, his early strat and, and did it to get that, that kind of warm sound that he had on the early albums. So that's my telly. I've got a telly and a strat. It's a beautiful um, thing, man. And I love it a lot. It's beautiful. And that is also just a, just a, just a taste of, of Stefan's weird That's the tip of the iceberg when related. it comes to where do we get to yes. pedals. Pedals. <laughs> Goodness. So many so many pedals to go. Mm. We can we can do that. Um we have yeah, we've got so much stuff to talk about. We, yeah, we, we haven't even finished talking about other books. But we can go into have. other books another time because Fine. for time. Uh, but something else, I think you know, we're talking about kind of lifestyle. We want reading is is amazing. Playing music, listening yeah. to music, uh, drinking. People drink. This happens. Indeed. Um, coffee. We we already started the day with the coffee. Yeah. Uh, coffee is important. Let's let's not beat around the bush here. Coffee matters. Um, and it's one of those things that people can also get particularly finicky about. Uh, what is what is your? Do you have a particularly finicky? Yeah, I'm a bit of a coffee snob, but um, I've had to uh, kind of temper that to a degree because one of the um, kind of biggest characteristics of the last five, ten years in the world has been this 
um, resurgence, uh, particularly among the hipster generation, yep. of um, boutique craft artisanal things. Yes, things I, with adjectives yeah. that are annoying. Right, and it, and I think to a degree it started with coffee. So yep. coffee has become such a massive industry over the yep. last 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and a big part of that has been the small independent coffee stores that that, that roast their own mm-hmm. coffees and have their own blends and blah, blah, blah. And coffee's become this huge thing. When I moved to London in 2009, there was a thing that I sort of um, latched onto getting into um, these independent coffee guys. Uh, in a sense, it's how Starbucks began, but of course, Starbucks has is, is just become mm-hmm. this massive corporation, whatever. Um, but... So to the point where this is the the degree of my coffee snobbery mm. is that I now get my own beans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I I think that that's a, a really good thing. So I prefer beans over instant coffee. Mm-hmm. Although that's I still will have instant, some instant coffees. Coffee. No, no. Every no. time I drink proper coffee, I go, why on earth would I no, ever drink? I don't. I don't drink coffee. instant coffee anymore at all. Ever. So I get beans, uh, and of course, the fresher the beans, the better. So I try to buy them in smaller quantities. Mm. And then I have a hand grinder with a ceramic burr. It's very artisanal. Oh, goodness. And they say the ceramic burr, yeah, no less. Now, ceramic and stainless steel. Again, yes. this is absolute rubbish um, for most people. I, you know, does it, <laughs> Is it really making so much difference? I'm not sure. It's like a valve. But it's I like love, a valve yeah, hand grinder. I think for people of our generation, um, a little bit more of an old school ethic, we enjoy that the fact that when I wake up in the morning, I have to earn my cup of coffee by sitting there and grinding this coffee. I enjoy the process. Mm. I find enjoyment in that that earning of the thing. It almost takes on more value because I've had to work. And I, and it's, I know the cra- it's, it's the rubbish. crafting. Yeah, the crafting. The crafting. Yeah, but it's also again, it goes back to the storytelling. There's, there's a there's a there's a narrative yeah. to your cup of coffee. It's exactly. not just plonking it in a cup. I'm interesting because I'm also a coffee snob in the fact, as I've said now, I will not drink instant coffee anymore ever. Okay, so you go to someone's house Ever. for the first time. You want to be polite. I will tell them to no. Let's I say, don't want let's to be say you're, you're unmarried. You've now met a, a woman. A you go to her parents' house. You're meeting them for the first time. They're like, "Oh, Bruce, you are actually a lovely young man. Can I give you coffee? We've got Nescafe." What I will say to them, I will say they will say they will offer me coffee, and this happens all the time. Yeah, okay. They'll say, "Would you like uh, coffee?" I say, "What sort of coffee?" Oh. What are you offering? Oh my goodness! Rude. Yeah, I will say that immediately. <laughs> I think. Look, I think if people are going to take exception and throw me out on the basis of uh, me not drinking instant coffee, that I don't Bruce, need them in my life. He was a nice boy, but I, have ooh, I don't friends. know when he went. He yes. got about funny about his coffee. Yeah, that's true. It's a true story. So, think. So there's that. That's a very okay, strong so line. I will not your, pass your that line. Sp- the social contract and politeness. You'll actually sod okay, politeness. Right, sod right, it. right, right. I will not cross that line. I will not have... So if they say we've got instant, you'll go, I'll have a cup of tea. Cup of tea. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I will then shock purists on the other side of the line. Okay. Because I have, again, as a, a huge coffee fan, and I love the culture, I love the whole thing, I've got, I don't know, probably seven or eight different machines or, or things or... Coffee makers. Or, yes, means of, of making coffee. But I don't... Sometimes have the time as you know with with yeah. two girls or this or that or uh, just schedules or whatever. You're going to do a pod now, aren't you? No, no. Oh, okay, okay. You see that that for me again the cost pickup is yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. a bit high. Yeah. Anyway, um, although we do have one of those machines, we hardly ever use it. Somebody gave it to us when right. they moved. Um, but I will not have instant. But I will cross several other lines. So I will make a pot of coffee with a, a good filter coffee yeah, machine, yeah. which I have. Sure. Um, and I'll make a full pot. Okay. I won't make yeah, yeah. one. Uh, that just annoys me. Okay. Uh, and then I'll have my, my cup of coffee or my two cups of coffee, whatever. And I will then whisper it softly. I'll put the pot in the fridge. Oh, my goodness. To keep it fresh. So it doesn't get stale. It doesn't sit on the stand outside all day. I'm not sure that works. It, it works, man. It, it, it really works. I'll tell you why as well. Even if it's just a placebo. It, fine. But it, so then I have that fresh coffee It's, it's How for the next day it? or two. Here's, here's an interesting <laughs> thing. Yeah. No, no, you, because again, now you're going to get all, all artisanal on me and say I should, you I, take I don't know, that I should thing do it out in a cast iron yeah. pan, yeah, and, yeah. which I don't. I pour it into a cup. Uh-huh. And microwave it. And I microwave it. With the milk, if you have milk. <laughs> oh, we just, we just lost some people. He has milk in his coffee, which he's microwaving. No, I, I but also. what's lovely, because you, you know, great coffee, it's just freshly made, you get the, 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 the crema. Yes. That beautiful. Yes. Important. You get that from the oxidization. Oh, post post microwave 
don't put the sugar in because it'll explode all over right, your, okay, over your okay. microwave. But if you have milk, or, or not actually, yeah. um, and you microwave it uh, however long, however hot you want it, and then you, put, you add the sugar, the sugar oxidizes, Right. Makes this lovely, lovely crema on the top. That's amazing. So not not like a cappuccino, not okay. not not a froth. Um, you don't get in a frothy, but you do. Um, Sometimes I get into such a such a frothy, you know. Um, but you get this lovely crema on the top, and to the extent that I've then served that to people who didn't know that I was breaking all these rules in the kitchen and are coffee snobs. Yeah. And I've served that to them outside on the patio where they didn't hear the microwave, and they said. This crema is amazing. Yeah. What lovely coffee. The crema, in fact, uh, this is the thing that Nescafe, um, what's the little pod dudes that George Clooney... Uh, Nespresso. Nespresso do so well. Is they Your do the name pod here. coffee. Yeah. Yes. And it has this amazing crema. That, yes. And I remember serving that to a dude, that a Polish guy in London that worked as a barista, and he was like, oh, this is... I said, I'm doing the... And he was like, oh, a machine, no. Yes. Uh, the pod or whatever. And he was amazed by it. Um, I left him the machine when I left London, actually. But yeah, that's interesting. Like at home, I'm the the big coffee drinker. Me my too. wife and daughter don't. So I've just got the Aeropress, and the okay. Aeropress, yeah, Aeropress is, is a lovely thing. Is known for making that's a very, very smooth, very transparent espresso. Yeah. So whatever your beans are comes through nicely in that. So I will make one cup of coffee for myself with the yes. Aeropress in the morning. I often do that amazing. with an Aeropress as well. If I do want one cup, um, but can but I again, can I break your heart quickly? Okay, just I've this had, once. I had an Aeropress. I ordered it before they were even in South Africa. There was one company in, in Cape Town, yeah, who who did mass coffee to businesses that, that somehow had got Aeropresses, and I ordered it from Cape Town. I had it for ten years until last year. Finally, the rubber uh, yep. seal on the bit that gets yeah, plunged yeah. just wore out, so it wasn't making the seal anymore. And I had bought for myself this this metal filter. Yeah, yeah. So that you don't have to use the paper folds every okay, time. Yeah, yeah. And the metal filter also let more of the oils through. Yes. And it was quite expensive as well. And uh, I decided I'm just going to throw the thing away and get a new one, which I did. But I wasn't thinking. I threw away that metal filter. Ah, I threw away everything. And a friend of mine said, oh, if you just told me, I could have got you a new rubber bit on the end of it. Anyway, so I bought a Can new. Can I break your heart a little bit? Do it. I use the uh, paper filters repeatedly. Okay. Sometimes, oh, no, no. I do that as well. But sometimes two or three months. Times, oh, the same one. Yes. For months. No, because again, it's it stored clearly. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not just sort of left on the windowsill or whatever. But um, I wonder it how. Just, it I'm adds, try. Adds a bit of because the moment there, I, I, I use it twice and then I use a new one. No, yeah, no. Maybe I, I'll just, do I don't week. do that because I'm cheap. But okay. uh, you know, but, so uh, well, who can afford uptight. not to no. be cheap in this but, day uh, and age? So coffee is a wonderful thing, and genuinely, we will mention your name. What, this, what so this whole third last sentence? five or ten sec- minutes has just yes. been about trying to get a coffee sponsor yeah, for this podcast. Pretty much, but I mean, we would it, brought it, to you. It would by, be embarrassing by. how often we would mention your name. Okay, uh, if you sponsored that. So, so you're taking for granted that people from coffee companies are going to be listening to this podcast. We look. I mean, if we have to kind of do a, a John Cusack's just come up again. You know, if we have to do a what's the movie where he goes with say the boombox, say anything, and absolutely, we, we just go outside their offices with the podcast. Uh, who did say uh, anything? Was that also um, uh, John Hughes? Yeah. Was I think Ferris Ferris Buesler 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 and uh, and, and Home Alone yes and and other young people who did the Breakfast Club that was him as well I think yeah. Say um, anything for breakfast. Say anything for breakfast. Your okay, name, coffee, yeah. yes. So that's there. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Bus Burby. Burby? Whiskey, which is... Burby. Burby is, is whiskey and bourbon. I don't bourbon. think the Burbers drink whiskey. Burby. That's a new one. Burbers, Tanarowin. Have you heard this desert Not the most recent, but very there's a new guy from somewhere in West Africa that I've listened to his album, and I can't even think of his name now. Uh, anyway, so there's some good, cool stuff happening there. Bourbon, yes. We'll come back to that guy. I like bourbon. Um, um, it's taken off in South Africa again of the whole what? artisanal grass, um, artisanal thing <laughs> lately. Grass artisanal thing. grass. Uh, <laughs> well, that's also become legal in South Africa of late. We have uh, not on it now. The old fashioned. Yes, the old fashioned. Bourbon, is, that, that's something that has informed our friendship. Yeah, uh, in some ways, it my makes favorite us, cocktail makes us sound like a couple of old lashes, but. Um, hmm. It it is it it has become when we do record together and we do, um, it has become our our kind of let's take a break and have a, a cocktail, that makes us sound incredibly sort of well something. I think it's more I succumbed to the whole hipster fad and saw an old fashioned 
making kit, kit online and then you had to use it which i ordered it arrived in many pieces because all yeah. of the glass bits had <laughs> become crushed in the post That's i sent it back the company the handlers.co.za sponsorship yeah yes um repacked it very very well and sent it to me again so i do have an old-fashioned kit an old-fashioned is a a whiskey cocktail yes. a bourbon cocktail um I've been told, and I, I remember doing research on this at some point, that it's the the original cocktail because it mm. was during Prohibition when whiskey would, there was some around on the black market, but it wasn't particularly good. And people would need to cut it with something to yeah. make it palatable. Yeah. And that's where the, the bitters and ah, the bit of orange, sense. Makes a lot of um, sense, yeah. you know, and then this was a way to, to you know, find make your whiskey palatable and it's become very fashionable amongst the hipsters. Yes. So now I love it. And you do it with a, you, you light you like to light your orange I, zest as yeah, it you, fires you, out. It's quite you exciting. Burn the rind of an orange, and yeah, if you squeeze that Don't rind over the flame, if it you're under twelve, a, yeah, it makes yeah. a bit of a spark and whatever else. And it is a delicious cocktail with a, with a delicious bourbon. Um, bourbons that are available in South Africa at the moment, uh, as I say, it's become a bit of a thing. So there's some great ones. Um, Woodford Reserve is probably my favorite, mm, but that's mm. at the top of the price range. Uh, Bullet bourbon is very uh, popular and that's more affordable and it's great. And then there's Buffalo Trace, which is also really, really, really nice. And, and depending where you shop can be quite affordable. Um, Goodfellows have some good prices of late. Your name here. Yeah. Um, and oh, there's various ones, you know, Maker's Mark and, and so on. There are quite I don't a like few. Maker's Mark. Jim I'm Bean. sorry, we, we, I hope we don't lose a sponsorship there, but. Uh, it's just it's one of the few that It'll I've tried. It'll be great in an old fashioned. Really I promise not. you. Well, we'll, 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 we'll test it out. We'll do it live. We'll do yeah. some live old fashioning at some point. Because I will sip a bourbon just on the rocks, and uh, I find it delicious. I, when I was in bands, we drank a lot of Jack Daniels. So mm. now Jack Daniels is kind of like juice to me. I can just. It's a problem. Yeah, I can really. I'll drink. Jack. You're not alone. Just just call if you need. You know. Yeah. Well, and now and even don't drive. Jack and Coke. If I'm going out for a bender, which doesn't happen much in my life. Um, Double Jack and Coke, I can drink all night long without feeling too, too many effects in my life. It is very uh, sophisticated. Yeah, but uh, I love bourbon. I, yeah. I'm a big Scotch guy as well, so I'm also into I'm the, getting the peaty side of things. I'm not. I've, I've discovered that I'm, I'm what you know. I, yeah. I, shocked, I, peat, I shocked you and, and made you worried when I pointed that out. You said, this, is, this is the single malt. And I said, that, that tastes rubbish. Yeah, so I'm um, into the single malt and I'm into the I'm peat. a blends guy. Okay. Give me a blend. I see Dewars, which uh, you let me write a review yes. on at some point. Uh, is a was it a ten year or twelve yes, year? Yes, I think a ten. Uh, which is a it's not a local whiskey, but it's a, an affordable whiskey. Mm-hmm. I think it's a blend. I think it's a blend. I think it was, yeah. So I noticed uh, the other day that they've got a like a gold edition, which I think is a fifteen year, which I'd be, be interested to taste because I enjoy those. Really Look good. again. Good. Throw stuff at us to review people. Right. This can happen. Um, nice. because And we'll, we'll speak at length about it, even if not knowledgeably. No. Possibly no. knowledgeably, though. No, but at length. And, uh, and, inanities. Yes. And with, uh, with adjectives. So we'll do that because that's Absolutely. how we roll. Um, right. Uh, songwriting? You want to we, we think about talking about songwriting? Uh, I think we, we kind did of done that? talk about that. We talked about that we a bit. We can come back to, we can come to back. songwriting. TV. You've mentioned it's come up. It's come up a fair bit. I mean, it's it's it's, it's moving. Okay, let me ask you: favorite three the, shows from last year? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I, I watched ever and when and, I can and tell when you, it came out. I can tell you certainly two that. Yeah. I, that I mentioned one already was the Catch Twenty Two adaptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to see. It that. was beautifully shot. Uh, it was funny. It was disturbing. It was fantastic. I loved it. The other big show for me last year, and I know there were a few. The Durrells, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. ended, I think, last year or the year before. But Watchmen, uh, Damon okay. Lindelof, who yep. was one of the guys on Lost with AJJ Abrams, has now um, done a TV series, one season, I don't think they're going to do anything more, called Watchmen, which is inspired by and t- takes over in the world of the famous graphic novel, yep. Time Magazine's top 100 um, books of all time, Um Alan Moore with Dave Gibbons, Dan Gibbons, Dave Gibbons was the, the art dude. Alan Moore wrote it. He, after his first kind of um, experience with people putting his stuff on screen, which was uh, League of Gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. League, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, which was made into a movie, which was uh, um, horrific. Jason Fleming and everybody, yes, it wasn't um, great. And Alan Moore dis- like divorced himself from any adaptations. So uh, Zack Snyder for DC Comics made the movie Watchmen, 
which was quite faithful uh, to the book, but Alan Moore had nothing to mm. do with it. To the point where I don't think he got any money from it as well. That's he, he actually, I don't know, that, but he is, he, Alan Moore wants nothing to do with any adaptation. It's an interesting thing, though, that kind of uh, in, maintaining integrity, losing on money. Uh, yeah. Again, it, it just, in many ways, it's, it's, it's clearly the right thing to do. But um, something like that where, you know, the, the intellectual property yeah. has to be yours. And I think even in the, well, I don't know, even in the TV series now at the end, it says based on the, the graphic novel, I don't even think Alan Moore's name is there. Okay. There's some weird deal. We'll research this. Yeah. Anyway, so Damon Lindelof. Now the movie was actually great. It wasn't uh, exceptionally brilliant. Mm. You know, people who are, are very, very um, uh, into the book, like I am, the comic, uh, the graphic novel. You know, there's things you can say, oh, but it was really well shot. There was enough. Uh, Zack Snyder sometimes the the plot and the dialogue and the characterization suffers a bit in, in the face of all the amazing effects that he mm-hmm. does. He did uh, 300, I think, was his big oh, yes. um, thing that he did. But um, there was enough movie and characterization, enough plot from the book that the movie actually was, I thought, really good. But Damon Lindelof has taken the graphic novel as a starting point mm-hmm. and has written a TV series that occurs after the end of the graphic okay. novel. Quite a bit after the end of it. And it is incredible like just like lost so many disparate uh, uh, narratives in the beginning so mm. many like questions what what is this so many eggs hidden away what, what happens again i've been a, a film critic for many many years for newspapers and magazines and radio and all sorts of things tv um i'm i am leaning towards quite heavily now the fact that the tv writing is much better Yes, a TV uh, generally, is the, generally speaking. Is the now, obviously, you have to go for almost. series. You have to go. Uh, you know, you you're in it for the longer run. Um, if there, if it's a if it's a, a multi series thing or a multi episode thing, but I'm fascinated by the quality. It's not you know, it's not universal, obviously, but um, of writing in in so many of of the the new TV shows, and because of the competition now yeah. with all the streaming, yeah. um, and people just putting out a lot of content a hell of a lot faster than they used to, because um, there's so much money. But making sure that they're at the at the level quality wise that they have to be. Welcome back, Rosie. Um, yeah, to make sure that they're at the quality level that they have to be. The, yeah, the, the base level of the, of the writing has to be of a of an extraordinary level, which also helps you when you're watching. You know, when you've got a Netflix or a Showmax or a whoever, and you you're going through just reams. Can can they be reams? Yeah, when no. you're going through uh, just acres Volume. of of, of options yeah and you click on something and if it if it's not if it's clearly not good writing obviously the levels but if it's rubbish writing yeah in the first two minutes you're out you're gone um and uh, so i've been i've been yeah catching up you're saying the last couple of this is the thing i just i just watch a lot of sort of overlapping stuff and i'm not sure where it's from uh, I watched uh, Dracula recently. Yeah, so have you I. watched? Have yeah. you? I I really liked it. I, I know it's, it's be, it seems to have been a fairly polarizing thing. I liked it. I haven't read the book in years, but it has the the kind of uh, direction of the book. It's, it's obviously yeah. it's modernized. It's that kind of thing. So do you know who who made it? I don't. So Mark Gattis and Stephen Moffat are the guys that did Sherlock, which okay. was Benedict yes. Cumberbatch's. Yes, yes, yes. So and very heavy. Okay. Yeah. I I really liked the way that it it. Because it's such an easy, easy uh, story to go completely melodramatic, on. right? And of the, there are elements of this which are massively melodramatic, but that's also part of the, the sort yeah. of gothic horror thing. But it's also that that kind of uh, the drive, you know, just a massive megalomaniac, egomaniac yeah. character who happens to be a blood sucking monster. But that's Vampire. that's almost he was very good. The lead of the yeah, Dracula. It's almost it's, incidental. Oh. Um, and the, you know, and also sticking with the story of, of going on the boat to yeah. Whitby, and so the third episode is a yeah. three episode sort of mini series, yeah. and the third episode is the payoff, yeah, because that takes place in current yes. twenty twenty, yes. which is not in the book at all, obviously. Of course not. But that, but it, but it maintains the sense of the thing, um, and uh, ah, and I've just gone blank on the Harker is is the guy at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, Harker, uh, Dracula. Who's the lady? Agatha. That's the important surname. And we are forgetting uh, Van Helsing. Van Helsing. There we go. I think Van in the Helsing, book, yeah. in the book, it's a man. Here, fantastic performance. It's a woman. Um, I don't even know. Is, is Van Helsing in the book? Yeah. The original book is he? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think so. 
Now you now you got me blinking, but I think so. Um, but certainly in a lot of the traditional storytelling post the book, um, but it's just the way, uh, the kind of the 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 way that they spar, the sparring of intellects and, and really, strategies really and the lady and understanding and the payoff in that third thing is yeah. is amazing. It's just it's a it's a again it's this funny thing where it, it's very glamorous and it's very over the top and it's it's often very violent and so on and so on, but it's also. What, there's a lot of humanity. There's a lot of, of very clever thought. There's a lot of heart. Um, so here's an interesting, particularly at the ed, at the end. Then an interesting payoff on that is um, the lady who plays Sister Agatha Van Helsing. Yeah. Um, I recognised her, and she was really good in Dracula. Yes. And I I recognised her from uh, the Mighty Boosh. Okay, where which apparently might be coming back. Oh. <gasps> But don't be making new episodes. Um, but but no. there's but one no. where the the head shaman who's played by Julian Barrett has a wife who is um, an extreme sports calendar model, <laughs> um, and uh, that is her. She plays that an extreme sports calendar model. Extreme sports calendar model, <laughs> um, and um, she's in that, um, and. Julian Barrett from The Mighty Boosh plays in a show on Netflix that I can't find now. <laughs> Something to do with flowers uh, with Olivia What's-Her-Face who plays the Queen. <laughs> a fantastic uh, yes. actress. Um, oh. uh, she's also in everything at the moment. Um, Man Alive. Uh, and that's one of the shows that I watched on uh, Netflix recently. Uh, okay. Um, which I'm googling furiously yeah, yes. now. Uh, let's just look at it. Julian Barrett, Coleman, uh, Olivia, Olivia Coleman is the actress. Coleman, and it's this really black humor, dark flowers. It's just called Flowers yeah. um, on Netflix, which I, I really enjoyed as well. Just one season, uh, very dark but very, very, very funny. Um, so there's a little um, little crossover there. Julian yeah. Barrett and, the, and, and the vinyl as well. Have you seen vinyl? Yes, I saw Vinyl, uh, Vinyl, The Get Down, and Roadies were the three yeah. music shows, the TV series. I really enjoyed Vinyl. They I like uh, uh, Bobby... What's-His-Face. Bobby What's-His-Face. We're very good at this. You know what is um, uh, interesting to me, just as we get into mm. Vinyl again, is just how this uh, streaming came about. Mm-hmm. So I, in my mind, I trace it to these series that be, started becoming popular. And I remember um, things like 24... Yeah, yeah, um, and and Alias and some of those early series, Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale, yeah, and and Lost, oh, Bobby, and Lost, and these series that people got into, yeah, and then the new buzzword was binge watch, yes, where people would buy the box set, yes, take the box set home and binge watch, and watch the whole and thing, and that was a new way of consuming TV, yeah, media, yeah. and that binge watching, I think, was the the catalyst. For streaming. streaming because you, you, streaming you, you is needed now, it oh, faster you can yeah. now get it and binge watch so so now we've you know gravitated into this new era of streaming DVDs are obsolete now the box set but now even if you watch say Showmax or DSTV here in South Africa they will now have a box set section yes where you can go and which essentially is just an arrangement that you could have done anyway where you, you find the series you like and you've got essentially the box set that you can binge watch yeah and now Netflix and the whole thing with now with Netflix is they're taking over movies. It's now it's now it's mm-hmm. going, you it's know, the world's biggest studio yeah. by a long way. So TV used to be the new way of consuming movies. So you would get the the quality of cinematography that you mm. used to only experience in a movie cinema, in shows. I think on that started with Lost was really on the your big laptop one there. And your, yeah. yeah. So you can watch like Dracula and, and it, it is shot so incre- uh, what was, uh, Fargo is another great one. It was just so well shot. Uh, I remember going to the launch of Netflix South Africa just up the road. Yeah, actually, yeah. and. Uh, they were saying at the time, and this was obviously a few years ago now, um, I think it was either, I forget the exact number, but it was either 400 and something or 600 and something. Let's go with 400 to be conservative. But they were making 400 new properties yeah. every year. So that's, and they weren't talking about episodes. They were saying 400 properties that could be so a full series mm. or a film or a documentary or whatever. 400 a year. And um, I'm sure that's exponential now yeah. because it's gone full circle now where now they've made so much money from streaming series that they've gotten to filmmaking yeah. to the point now where people are people who are making these films that I've heard on podcasts, uh, who was I speaking to, uh, listening to the other day on, on Mark Maron's uh, WTF, 
where he was like, oh, oh, it was Leonardo DiCaprio. He had Brad Pitt and Leonardo on for once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Hollywood, and you're talking about documentaries, and Leonardo DiCaprio said, I think it was a climate change documentary where he went to all these spots where climate change is really um, evident. And was it this? It could have been this, or he may have been talking about an art documentary. But he said he went to Netflix and said, oh, I've got this idea, and they were like, right, make it. And he said no. it's incredible because you used to go to movie as um, uh, companies, what are they, a production house, whatever, and you'd pitch ideas and desperately hope that you could get something greenlit because yes. it's so much money. Yeah. And Netflix apparently at the moment is so awash in, in profit that they are – and uh, there's is so that, many Is that true? Because uh, it depends who you talk to, I think. I, I think there's other things where they go, it's it's paper money. It's Well, uh, what, for whatever it is, yeah. they're able to make – just green light so much stuff at the moment it appears from an yes. outsider's point of view that people are like you know oh I've got this idea for a I great wonder, series and yeah and with time like, will tell it. I wonder if it will be a case of too they, much they, too have, soon, they have the money breaks. or that they need to keep up with the demand that they've created oh yeah okay um, that could be which is also it's a nice problem to have until the bubble bursts but let's yeah. let's not let's not go to bubble bursting uh, oh. it's not a terribly happy way to end a show um, but end a show we must because we've got a lot of material um, I think already. we can edit this into our first year's and worth yes of we can make this shows. into a, a really tight 15 minutes okay um, <laughs> and Again, one of one of the things we wanted to do here, because we're musicians and we have our own songs and all of that kind of thing, was to play some music. So live music, which we haven't rehearsed. Come on. So there's that. Let's just play um, a live something. Do you want to play something that's written, or do you want to improv something? It's up to you. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Should we? Let's try. Let's try a song that isn't recorded yet, that I wrote recently. Uh, it's called Purple Heart, and Stefan's never heard it in his life. He's no, just looking at a sheet I'm putting in front of him now. Um, and it's it's a cool song, and we probably need to turn down that volume on the mic, but we can, we can figure that out. But it, we hope, we really hope, that you've got some sort of enjoyment out of this first episode of podcast. I'm Bruce. And I'm Stefan. And we're going to play out with a song called Purple Heart. It's true you must be heard to win a purple heart. It's a crazy way to go, being broken from the start. When love was been explained, I must have missed that part. Every battle won brings sweet relief. from the way Learning still to find the answers we don't know But now we will not separate Purple heart water to a searching soul Badge upon a Patience from the ways Learning still to find the answers we don't know
must be heard to win a purple heart. Okay, that may have been completely too loud for the microphone, <laughs> but you know, it could work. We'll it could see. Work. Right, thank you for listening to our first podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We did. We really enjoyed it. It was good. We look forward to more. Okay. We will see you soon. Bye. Cue um, ending credits now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>